Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. All right, guys, this is Coach Amy with Athletes Mindset Academy, and I am with Coach Stacy Fletcher. I am so excited to be doing this podcast today with Stacy. We have a super, super cool guest that um, both of us just adore. Um, it's Michaela Skinner. She was an alternate for the 2016 Olympics, and we get to have her tell us so many things and so many insights that I'm excited to hear um, about. She was the alternate for 2016 Olympics for gymnastics. She was a um, three-time world champion and a senior on the USA national team. And she was also a gymnast on the University of Utah team for three years till she decided to defer her senior year to train for the 2020 Olympics. So we're gonna hear a little more about that because now it's 2021. Um, she also has an amazing YouTube channel and she is gonna be, I guess on the YouTube channel, you've been talking about your road to Tokyo, which I also wanna hear about. So we have a lot of little pieces that I'm sure everybody wants to kind of get some, some insight into your life, into your challenges, into what's been going on for you. But Stacy and I are excited to have you on this podcast with us today. So thank you, Michaela. And we want our listeners also to be able to find you. So we'll get your information at the end. But Stacy, do you wanna go ahead and, and take it for a second? Or do you want me to go ahead? I was going to go ahead, right? You go ahead. Yep. Okay. You guys, here's the thing about Michaela. I'll just throw in here. Michaela has the same coach that I had growing up. So that's one thing that we have in common. And I love the coaches that she has, John Sweeney, Lisa Sweeney. Um, and so I was, before we started, I was asking Michaela some things. So does Lisa still do this? Does Lisa still do that? Because <laughs> I just wanted to see, she's one of those ladies that um, I remember going to a competition and it was pink everything. And this is before there was like water bottles that you used to buy. She bought an Evian water and I thought she was the coolest person in the world. But Michaela, does she still love pink? <laughs> I didn't ask you that. She still loves pink, uh -huh. but she's definitely into the purple and teal because that's Desert Lights colors. Right. But, you know, I don't know if you ever... I. I'm sure Juicy Couture was still a thing around your time, I'm sure. But I don't know if whenever yeah. you trained, did she wear Juicy Couture sweat outfits? No, I don't remember that at all. Really, that's all she would wear was Juicy Couture. And it was just so funny because, you know, Juicy Couture kind of went out of style and now it's coming back in. So I'm curious to see if she'll kind of bring back the trend, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. So do you have Juicy Couture too, as far as purple and teal? <laughs> um, not quite, but I do remember Lisa would, you know, come in with her, um, she'd have some extra Juicy Couture outfits that like she either didn't wear, or they didn't fit. So we'd always be excited coming to gym because she would always give us some extra <laughs> stuff. So that was kind of fun because I felt super cool wearing Juicy Couture, you know, so. Oh my gosh. I always felt super cool wearing anything that I thought was kind of like Lisa. So <laughs> she's a fashionista. Right. <laughs> right. I love it. Um, I was asking Michaela about her dancing style too. Lisa used to teach, uh, teach us dance every Friday and we'd have an hour of dance and I can still remember open, close, open, close, cross, step, chasse, and her little jazz hands and beat for, and she would um, test us on the vocabulary. And I, and I had talked to Lisa about that on, when I had her on the podcast, it was so funny, but we, we love to, to think about all the cool things Lisa used to do with us and for us, obviously, but okay. So we, I could talk about Lisa forever, but Michaela, I want to hear about some of the things that are going on for you. And I'm sure Stacy wants to hear one of the focus we want today for Michaela, 
um, to talk to us about is confidence. Um, we talk a lot about um, just thriving, going for confidence, being more confident. And, and Stacy pointed out that you, for us, are one of the most confident athletes that we see out there. And you've always been able to, to show that in everything that you're doing. And she has a personal experience. Maybe we should shoot over to that. Stacy, tell us about that. And you can talk well, to Michaela about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll shoot over to that in a minute. But Michaela, okay. that's one thing that's always really stood out to me. When we teach about self-confidence or we teach, we teach about confidence, we teach about self-confidence. And that so much of actual confidence when you're competing comes from three areas. One, trusting yourself. Two, trusting how you're going to treat yourself no matter what happens. And three, a belief of, of self-value that has nothing to do with the outcome. And that when those three things are really solid, you can just kind of go out there and be who you are without any like um, reservations or without any fear. And I don't know if those are three strengths for you or not, because I've never had a personal conversation, but I see the results of it. And for me, I've always felt like that. Like Michaela knows who she is. She doesn't, I mean, I know you care about what people think, but like what other people think doesn't define how she views or thinks about herself. And so she's able to just compete with this confidence that I didn't see from um, a lot of other gymnasts. And then when you went to University of U Utah, did I say that right? Yep, you're good. Like it just came out in spades. And I kind of actually even remember an article that kind of, you got a little flack for that of like yeah. being too confident because, you know, women aren't supposed to like go out there and show that. And so I want to talk about that in a minute, but tell me what you think about, about all of that. Is that true of how you feel about yourself or any of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at Utah, you know, we always like, you look good, you feel good, you're more confident. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know why my throat's kind of dry, <clears throat> but um, definitely I feel like, you know, especially being a high level athlete, I think being competitive definitely kind of brings out that confidence in me. Like, I just want to go out there, nail that routine. I want to show everybody what I've been working so hard for. And so I feel like it just really helps me when I'm in the gym, I take my routines very seriously. I'm like, whatever I do in the gym and prepare those routines to the best of my ability and I feel confident in them, I know that the results are gonna show in the meet. So when I'm at the meet, I feel prepared and confident in myself. And um, I have an example for that actually. Um, so last year, um, you know, we were supposed to be going into the Olympic year and um, I was supposed to be doing like Italy and then this other um, competition that they were gonna have in Utah. It was supposed to be international meet. Um, anyway, they were like, um, I'm trying to think. So when we were at camp, we had a national team training camp in February. And so we had to compete at it. And so of course, a lot of people kind of weren't ready. And some of the meets were supposed to be, you know, a month or two later. And so I was preparing for Italy, which was, you know, supposed to be like a month and a half later. So I was kind of prepared, not a hundred percent, which is what I was expecting going into camp. Cause I didn't need to be a hundred percent. And so anyway, there was not a lot of people ready for meets and there was a meet that was literally a week from camp and so it was gymnics in Canada and so they're like okay so we really want to send Michaela out and she hasn't had a ton of international experience coming back into the elite scene so like what do you think if we put her on the team with some of these newbies um, that they added to the team to go to gymnics and so like I was kind of freaking out because you know with the pandemic kind of starting they had canceled Italy so they're kind of like, well, you know, I think it'd be good for her to go to gymnics and all this stuff. And so 
obviously I did not feel confident in myself at all. I was like, I'm not ready. This, I don't know how this is going to go. And I just remember, you know, after I said yes to accepting the assignment, I had to be that leader, that role model for the team. And so it was just kind of hard, like not feeling hundred percent confident. So anyway, the first day of competition, you know, I fell on beam, my bar, we started on bars and my bar routine was just a hot mess. And I was just kind of struggling. And I think it was just because, you know, I didn't feel confident in myself. And so after kind of realizing, like, I didn't have my best meet, but I was like, it's okay. Like, you know, we weren't expecting to be hundred percent and they, they knew that. And so anyway, I was like, I, you know, took a step back, you know, I called my mom, I called my husband and I was just like, so angry. And I was like, this is not me. Like, I know that I can do better than this. I showed better than this at camp even. And so like, I really just took the time. I sat there, collected my thoughts and I was like, you know what, I don't have to be 100% in my gymnastics today, but I can go out there and be confident in myself and it will help me to nail those routines. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I went back there, I gave it my all, I was confident in myself, maybe not in my routines, but in myself. And I won vault floor and I won bars. I've never won a gold medal on bars in my entire life. So it was just the greatest experience. And so even though I was used to feeling confident in my routine, just because I would train all the way up to that to be the best that I could be. I realized I didn't have to be necessarily so confident in my routines, but also I needed it for myself. So that was something that really helped me and helped me get back into the game. Yeah, that is such a beautiful example of exactly what we talk about. Stacy, yeah. go ahead. I know you have thoughts. Well, that's just, yeah, that's exactly what we teach is that when you try to be confident in your abilities to do something, like when you're trying to be confident and like, I know how to do this, I've done this before, you can only do things that you've accomplished before. Mm-hmm. If you want to accomplish anything new, you have to be confident in yourself. Exactly. You have to be confident in like, I know how I'm going to show up. I know what I'm going to give. And then that's the way to actually create, you know, um, compete with confidence in, in situations that you've never been before, which when it comes to competitions, every competition is new. Like, even if you've been to the national championships, the next national championships is still the national championship. Like it, it still has all the nerves and stuff. And so being able to tap into that self-confidence, I think is, is huge. And I love that you brought up that example. That's a, a and it differentiate. Yeah. The difference between confidence in yourself and confidence in your routines, because yeah. the beam is still 16 feet long, four inches <laughs> wide, four feet off the ground. But like Stacy said, it's always a new experience. But when you can be confident in yourself, knowing that whatever the outcome is, you still love yourself. Mm-hmm. You still love who you are. You still know you're hundred percent amazing. Yeah. The results are not going to determine that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I really love how you show that confidence. Um, I think it's such a fantastic example um, to, you know, to younger girls, um, to gymnasts. I think, especially as we, as a society kind of grapple with how should women show up? How should men show up? And I think that you've just been such a great example of being like, no, I'm going to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to, I've worked so hard for this. I'm going to celebrate the heck out of it when I actually like do what I want to do. So tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in elite gymnastics, you know, it was so competitive. We had so much stress on ourselves. I felt like, you know, with Marta being the Olympic coach, we were just robots, you know, we just, straight face, focused, ready to go in the zone. So when I feel like I went to college, I could become, 
myself. And I just mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I'm a super competitive gymnast. I love going out there. I love showing off. I love showing the big skills. And in college, you really learn that you get to have fun with it. You get to be excited. And that's kind of something coming back into elite that I've really wanted to help the younger generation to know that it is okay to have a little bit of fun. Yes, you need to stay focused. You need to work hard, but it is so important that after you've worked and busted your butt off, that you should be able to nail that routine and enjoy it and sell it and be excited about it. And I just think it makes it so much more fun. But, but yeah, in college, you know, I learned how to enjoy that routine. And I think one thing that's really hard for me is, I mean, I've kind of had a rough life through gymnastics. It's been very political. And so for me, it was just hard because I know you don't get anything for difficulty. It's all about execution and being perfect. And so I couldn't really dumb down my routines too much because I couldn't do easier stuff. And I kind of wanted to keep some of the big skills just because I wanted to stand out in college. I feel like in college, a lot of it, you know, it's just kind of the same. Everyone does a double back on floor or full in. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to be different and I wanted to be me. I love doing the big skills. And so it was really fun being able to work with my coaches at Utah and figure out my new college routines. And even going back to college, it was kind of hard for me to like do the easy stuff. Like I was like, you know, college is supposed to be easier, but it was kind of like hard for me to like learn how to do it in an easier way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of a transition to get into, but yeah, I feel like doing my routines, like I just wanted to go out there and be perfect and, you know, show, show those 15,000 crowd fans in the Huntsman center that like, look at me, watch me. I'm doing this for the team and I'm doing this for myself. And, you know, this is college is just so much fun. And so it was kind of hard having the politics mixed in with it. And I don't know if it had to do with, you know, previous things in the elite scene or just because I went to Utah. I know a lot of people, you know, say there's baggage from Utah because of Greg Marston and all this dumb stuff. And I'm like, that's just dumb to like take something out from a coach or previous things at Utah and just, you know, keep ruining the legacy for us. You know, Utah gymnastics has come such a, such a long way. We've done such amazing things and it's just, so crazy that for some reason they just never want to give us the scores Mm -hmm. and so I remember um you know especially like my junior year I had worked so hard to perfect all my routines to the best of my ability Mm -hmm. and you know I worked on sticking my vaults I probably stuck like pretty much all my vaults my junior year and I was you know trying I my big goal obviously my main goal was for the team but my personal goals were to try to get a 10 on every single event, not saying it had to be in one meet, but mm-hmm. just, you know, throughout my career, I thought it'd be so cool to get one 10 on every event, just because in the elite world, I was throwing big skills. I didn't have the best form. And so being able to come to college and really work on that, I thought it'd be really cool to see how good I could get myself to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And so it was really hard you know, nailing a routine to the best of my ability. And I'm seeing all these girls from all these other colleges getting tens. And like, sometimes I feel like they didn't even deserve a 10. And I just felt like that was wrong. I feel like in college, it should be hard to get a 10. Like it used to be so hard to get a perfect 10. And now I kind of feel like, oh, we're just going to hand one out here. if She nails a decent routine. And that would just frustrate me, like seeing all these girls getting tens and I'm sitting in the gym, working my butt off, nailing routines and I could just never get it. And so like that one time at University of Utah, the one judge gave me a 10 and the other one judge didn't. And it just, it just made me so frustrated because I'm just like, how, like, how, what do you see is wrong? Like it was so perfect, you know, like 
obviously I'm not sitting in the chair at the table, you know, seeing every little flaw, but like in my head, I'm like, this was the best routine that I could have done. And I've worked to perfect it to the best of my ability. And how can you just like not give it to me, but give it to somebody else, you know? So like, I know life isn't fair. Um, and so I just felt like, you know, I kind of had to take a step back from that meet and go, you know what? Like, it's okay to not get a 10. If I didn't deserve a 10, that's okay. I'll get it next time. But I was like, I'm going to go out every single meet and I'm going to prove to these judges that they can't take anything away from me. And if they do, they do. And that's okay. It's just gymnastics. It's just a sport. As long as I'm going out there and just being me, being myself, having fun, that's really all that matters. Who cares about the dumb score? It's about having fun with your team and just enjoying gymnastics while it lasts. It doesn't last forever. And, you know, once you finally make it to college and collegiate gymnastics, it's, you know, it's just the best thing in the world. So you really just need to enjoy every moment of it. And um, I just, I'll always be super competitive. I can't even play a game with my husband and my family because I mean, my whole family's super competitive, but we just like get into big arguments because it just doesn't end well. None of us can win. So um, it's been hard at times, but I think having that competitive competitiveness mm -hmm. really just helps me compete really well. I think yeah. if younger athletes can just really go out there and be competitive with the game and want it, I think the, the better and more confident you'll be going out there. Yeah. Kayla, I want to say something to what you said earlier that when, when you are, or when you are just in the competitive realm versus the collegiate realm, the competitive, the club, I guess, versus collegiate that you said, you just feel like a robot. And that's something I just, I touch on quite a bit is I think a lot of athletes do eventually get out of the enjoyment of the sport and move to the straight face performance period. And we think that when we're on this, the podium that we're super excited and happy, but inside there's not really a lot really going on. You're just on another podium waiting to figure out how you can get the next score. And it's a very, um, what I call robot feeling. Mm -hmm. You create little robots. And then when you go to the, the collegiate, all of a sudden they're like, we want you to enjoy this. We want you to show like you're looking, like put your head up and smile and actually bring it from the inside out instead of just putting on the plaster smile. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things I appreciate you kind of commenting on that. That is, it's a very different kind of gymnastics when you get to college because it's a lot about bringing out your personality. Mm -hmm. So, totally. yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> like, I think that the elite world, it's been, it's been great to watch it slowly change um, and to watch, you know, this, this last generation kind of 2012 on be really Simone kind of bringing in like the, like, what you going to do pick me off? And so then, you know, bringing in that personality then kind of has opened up the door. And so I would just encourage you to keep being a leader in that as you're back in the elite world. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it needs to change. I believe that it's not like being elite and being serious means then you perform better. Right. We know that you perform best out of that inner fuel that feels great and when you tap into those emotions. And so like, I think, I don't know, I loved watching you blossom and shine and just become yourself. And so I would just, for what it's worth, my mama bear advice to you would just be like, lead the way for that in elite, help it keep coming back and being that example to all of those other gymnasts that they can be that too. Um, I know it feels scary and risky because that's not the world that elite is in, but I think it's what makes you shine. And I think that like, it just, you've shown so much 
um, in college. And I just am so excited and hopeful to see you bring that back into your elite competition. So and filter it into a new, a new way of doing the elite experience, yeah. essentially. I love that you are pulling that in. I love Stacy said that. Now I am curious, guys. I want to hear a little bit more about Stacy. At one point, had an, an interaction with Michaela as um, interviewed Michaela when she was at 2016, right? Yeah. Okay. I want so, to hear that a little bit. I got to go um, as as a small press media role. Uh, for the 2016 Olympics. And so I was at Rio, which was my dream. I was so excited. I had been working for the dream to get to the Olympics in a different way. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity and privilege to interview Michaela and Reagan and um, Ashton the last day of their training as alternates. So the competition started the next day. They had been there giving, like practicing just as hard as everybody else in like a remote area with like Did janky. You come to that gym at the, the came to that gym training facility. Okay. I feel like I'm kind of memories are. Yes. Of- yeah. So there were like, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight of us yeah. um, from different. They just like let, they just did a media day for the three of you with, with you guys and, um, and your coaches. And we got to interview you. And honestly, like that moment, has, was life-changing for me and has stuck out. And I have thought about it again and again, because to talk with you guys while you were in that place, like I've worked so hard and now it's done mm-hmm. and I don't get to go out there and show my stuff. Um, and watching how you guys were handling it. Um, and, you know, of course it was Marta media <laughs> gymnastics interview days. Yeah. So you all pretty much gave like upbeat, well, it's okay answers, but like behind the scenes that, you know, I talked to Kim for like a 30 minute interview afterwards. And like, I talked to you guys a little bit off camera and just to kind of see that, um, here's, I want to tell you how it impacted me knowing that there's a lot of times in life where you may not get the opportunity that you wanted to get. And how are you going to prepare for that? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to keep working even if that opportunity isn't there? Um, You know, there's lots of times where it's like, well, I don't have the job that I want or I don't have the scenario that I want, but am I willing to keep putting in the work day in, day out, no matter what, in any circumstance and keep believing in myself to keep going for it even in that? Um, Cause we know there's other Olympics where somebody got injured and the alternate went in at the last second. So like you guys knew it could happen and you also knew it could not happen. And you like had to face that. And that has been life-changing for me to apply to all these areas of my life. There's lots of times where I'm like, remember when those three girls were in that gym and <laughs> they did that, like you can do this now too. So tell me more from your perspective and your memories about that experience. Totally. That's actually really good. Um, a good question. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start going kind of back to Olympic trials, um, you know, placing fourth in the all around, you know, normally to the rules, you're supposed to take the top five, but of course, you know, with USA gymnastics, they did things a little bit differently and they kind of did, did it in their own way. Um, I just remember, you know, after the second day of competition, um, you know, they pull us back into the room. So we kind of go out of the arena and we're all sitting in this room together, all of us athletes. 
and they take, you know, all the national team staff, Marta, Steve Penny, and they go back into a room and they sit there and they're talking about, you know, who, who's the team going to be. And I just remember, you know, sitting there texting my sister, my family that are, you know, sitting up in the stands. And I'm like, so do you think I'm going to make the Olympic team, you know, and in, in my heart, I felt no, you know, like I just could feel like they're, I, I, they're not going to take me, even though I got fourth, it wasn't good enough. They're probably going to at least take the top three for sure. And you know, my sister's just trying to sit there staying positive. Like, I don't know, we'll just have to see. But they had that same exact feeling that I had. And so um, we had a bunch of family members too that were, you know, and teammates that were sitting at home watching, you know, the live stream, watching it on TV. And they're sitting there like, we already know who the team is. And they're like, you know, my, I didn't know this at the time, but my sister, you know, and my mom are all texting them like, what, what's going on? And on TV, they pretty much had interviews with the five girls they had already chosen with their moms talking about the Olympics and pretty much that their daughters were on the team during yeah. like the commercials and the previews and stuff. And it's just like, like, what's the point of having Olympic trials? You know, like it was just so frustrating, but anyway, we were sitting in the room and they, you know, start naming, they come in and we're all shaken and we're all, you know, super tense. And they start naming off, you know, the five people. So they go off one, two, and three. And so we're like, okay, like, I don't remember the order, but you know, they announced three of them. And then I was kind of like, okay, there's, there's two more, you know, they announced the fourth one. I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. Here's the last one. Could this be it? And you know, my heart's pounding and I'm like, I think maybe it could be me, but I don't know. And then of course they announced the fifth name and it wasn't me. And so you could just see everyone in the room, you know, like, was just like, you know, the five that were announced were like bawling, so excited. And we we're all just sitting there like, you know, like it's over, like this is it. So then they go on and announce the three alternates. So I was considered first alternate. And then um, I was crying, but it wasn't really tears of joy. It was more tears of like, this freaking sucks. Like I've worked, I was the alternate for 2015 Worlds. And so like, I had been in that position. I, so I, I knew what it was like. And I was like, it's horrible. Like, yeah, you know, you get to still go to worlds and you get to be with the team, but it's hard working your butt off for something and not getting, not being able to compete, but you know, you have to be ready for your team. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember, you know, after already having that experience in 2015 worlds, I was telling my family, you know, like it was such a rough night. And then when we got home, I was like, I'm not going, I don't want to be an alternate. I'm not doing this. Like I quit, I'm done. Like, obviously I was so frustrated, you know, with everything that happened that I couldn't really control my emotions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kind of gave it a week just to think about it. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is the freaking Olympics. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Who knows if I'll ever get this chance again. And, you know, like you said, you never know when somebody's going to get hurt. So mm -hmm. I was like, let's do this. I'm going to go for it. So obviously we know we go to the Olympic camp. So you go to the camp and then straight from the camp, you go over to the Olympics. And so during the camp, you know, I was doing everything I could. And, you know, the, the Olympic team wasn't fully finalized. They could have changed it from camp too, if they wanted to. And so I was doing everything, nailing my routines. I was like, I'm, I'm going to give them every opportunity that if they need to put me in that, I will be ready to go in. I want to be that first alternate that gets to go in and compete for Team USA. 
So anyway, we get to Rio, you know, nothing's changed. They've kind of left it the same. And this was like really sad because we get to Rio and we've been, we've been a team the whole time at camp and we were there for like a week. We get to Rio and the second we get there, the five go off and us three go off by ourselves. And it was kind of like, eh, you're nobody, you're nothing. We don't care about you, you know? And we were just like, what the heck? Like we didn't even get to see the girls the whole entire time until after like prelims, the first day that they competed. Hmm. And so they're staying, you know, at the Olympic village and we go to this like place. I forget what the campsite was called, but it was this garbage little place. The room was like as big as like, not even as big as a normal bedroom. And there's three little beds and a tiny bathroom. And, you know, we had this huge it was like luggage. an hour away, wasn't it? It was like an hour away. We had this big luggage, you know, like, cause we were there for a month. And so like our luggage couldn't even fit in the room. It was just, it was horrible. And, you know, us being alternates, we were, we were kind of cranky and, you know, we kind of started bickering and getting at each other because, you know, it's just so hard being at that level and being an alternate and our emotions, we don't get to be with the other girls. And it was just, it was just so, so hard. But anyway, our training facility was three hours away from where we were staying. So we'd have to get up in the morning, go to the training facility. And then we didn't even get to come back to our, I guess, I don't know what to call it, hotel, apartment thing, <laughs> campsite. Um, we didn't get to come back to that because by the time we drove back there to rest for the afternoon, we would have, we, the second we got there, we would have to turn back around to head back to practice. Mm -hmm. So when we were up at Lanier, um, that's where we were training in the Brazilians training facility. It's where their professional soccer team is at. Um, they kind of had some areas up there where they had food prepared for us. And we kind of had like a lounge area where they had TVs of like other sports going on at the Olympics. So we could kind of watch and we just have to rest there. And it was really hard because I love taking naps mm -hmm. and like that is a way for me to recover and like recoup myself before going back to practice. Yeah. And so it was really hard trying to like relax there on these like little chair things and then have to just jump right back to practice. It was like torture, you know, and in elite gymnastics, you train twice a day. And when, when I did gymnastics, you know, previously in elite, I trained seven hours a day. And then the year before the Olympics, I trained five hours a day. And so, you know, we kind of took it down a notch because we realized you really don't need to train that much. It's a waste. You don't need to break your body. But in, you know, Marta's mind, you had to train twice a day and you had to do routines twice a day. So our second practices were just as miserable as the first, you know, like we still had to go in hit the bar routines, hit the beam routines. We wouldn't do floor and vault twice a day, but like, it was still just so brutal. And so we get into that gym and the equipment's like 20, 30 years old. Like the beams have like metal, like sticking out. The floor had this awesome squirrel thing underneath it. This like rat that was crawling and living out with the floor and running into the bathroom and drinking out of the toilet water. Like it was just like ghetto. Like I felt so bad for the Brazilian gymnastics team that they had to train in something like that. You know, like I was like, man, I thought we had it bad at the ranch, but this is like really bad, you know, like it was just horrible. And so, you know, the, we would see like the Olympic team, like the final five be like posting pictures, you know, and we're like, man, they have it so good. And we're sitting over here working our butts off dying. And then one of the times, um, sometimes they would let us do one practice a day. And that was like, you know, like our day off was having like one practice and we never got one day off. We literally trained the whole month straight, not one day off. Our day off was the half a day practice. And 
the girls on the Olympic team got the day off. So they got the whole day off. They went to the pool that was at the training facility over there and, or the Olympic village. And we were sitting there in the gym working out. And I was like, where are the alternates? That's not fair. You know, like they get the whole day off and we're sitting here working out. And so it was just really hard to stay positive. I would cry every single night. I'd be like calling my mom. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And like, it was just, it was really, it was torture. It was hard to stay positive, but I think, you know, keeping in the back of your mind that, that saying of they could possibly put you in if they need to put you in. And it was hard because sometimes when I was in Rio, Marta would be calling, we were with Steve Rybacki. He was kind of Marta's right-hand man. He was like right under her. And so he was working with us alternates and Marta kept contacting him and was like, we might need to put Michaela in like four different times. We're going to put Michaela in because Lori had that weird thing going on with her hip or something or her, I don't remember what it was. Her stomach. Yeah. So she had that going on. And then, you know, there were some like other problems or people weren't, you know, getting things done. And so, you know, they kept just, Lisa was getting so annoyed because they're like, oh, we're going to put Michaela in. We're going to put Michaela in. And then Lisa finally said, stop saying you're going to put Michaela in if you're not going to put her in. Because Steve Ryback, he kept coming up to me during practice. He's like, you need to keep doing what you're doing. You're doing really good. We need you ready to go in. And so that was like messing with my head too, thinking like I'm going to go in and then I'm not and then I am. And so the mental game was definitely, it was so tough. I don't know how I got through it. I think just from all the experience and everything that I've been through before and being an alternate in 2015, just really helped me be able to push myself to keep going but I don't know it was so hard so I think definitely just knowing that you know if you needed to go in and compete for the team that's just why we just kept pushing ourselves but you know at that point it was just I was just so ready to be done I don't know how I don't know how I got through it honestly I think you know praying every night you know crying just letting my emotions out um just helped me somehow persevere and get the job done but yeah. it's seriously like I don't know how I'm back at it doing gymnastics in the lead again I don't know how I'm putting myself through this like I remember in the interview it was like what's next and you're just like I don't know <laughs> well Michaela one of the things that you said a few times is you have support you have a sister you're texting you have a mom you're texting you have Lisa and John and these beautiful coaches that have always been there to protect you too and I think when we say we don't know if you look not only with the prayer 100% because we're all Christians all three of us um, that's 100% number one for me when I listen to you and the other part is you have a strong inner foundation you have a strong family support those are the things that that we all rely on when there's tough times like this like what am I even doing here what is the point does this really matter those kind of things fall back to yeah, you know what? The people around you buoy you up, right? Mm -hmm. And you were saying that you texted your sister. Having that a relationship like that, maybe you're not texting the five on the team, but you have somebody who is disconnected from the 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 when they're they're connected to you as a person. Totally. And I hope I hope you take. I mean, I've actually we wrote an article about it. We've I've talked to many people. I hope that you also can look back and be really proud of yourself. Oh, I'm so proud just listening to this. Like <laughs> I feel I literally I have used this so many times in my own personal life of just like 
what it's like to be in something really hard and just keep showing up with diligence and with excellence every single day, even when you don't want to, even when it's hard, even when you, you know, and there another, I was going through a really hard time in my life and I don't know why this was comforting. It doesn't sound comforting now, but at the moment it was like, there will be harder things in life than this. And I just think for you, like that was probably one of the hardest things you'll ever go through. And yet like you're married now, like there will be harder things in your life probably than that. And then you had no pneumonia, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there, now there's been the Olympics and COVID and all of the things and like drawing back on the strength that you had in that time and being really proud of yourself Mm -hmm. and being able to go, I did that. That that was like literally one of the hardest things that a that a, for sure an athlete could ever imagine having to do. And I did it twice in a row. <laughs> well, now three times. I can do anything. Yeah, yeah three times. <laughs> for 2019 world. So <laughs> hopefully that's the last time. Right. Now and I'm out of the way. <laughs> yes, I got them all out of the way. But just being really proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah. We're we're really we're really grateful for your example. But I even think back to the days where like you also have a coach that's a good friend of mine, Beth Julian, uh, when you were getting like seven O's probably, maybe you never got a seven O, but I did. But when we were just trying to, instead of getting from nine, nine, seven, five to 10, you were trying to get from eight to, you know, 8.5, those kind of jumps, you can look back and that seems so insignificant now, but now you've been through three, three years of disappointment of getting to be the one that was picked, you know? So it's all like just stepping stones and every single piece of those are part of your journey. Yeah. So I think it's really beautiful. And like Stacy said, you, you can, you can figure out anything because you figured out that, you know, yeah. you figured out how to get from eight Oh to eight five. You figured out how to get from nine, nine to tens. You figured <laughs> out how to survive years of being an alternate. You can do anything. Yeah. So, so the last thing that we talk about, I think really ties in and that we talk about in teaching um, confidence, competing with confidence is the willingness to feel any feeling, the willingness mm-hmm. to feel humiliated rejected, disappointed, frustrated. You've got to be willing to feel those feelings if you're going to go out there and put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And that when you, when you can go into a competition and you can say, I can feel any feeling that will happen in this, then nothing's scary. Right. Because if you fall and you feel humiliated, it's just a feeling not a big deal. You can feel humiliated. You can allow that feeling to process through your body and you can move on. If you feel excited, if you feel, you know, I mean, even just like I was having some other conversations with some of the people involved with the five and I'm sure their experience wasn't as difficult, but I know it wasn't great either. (laughs) Like there were things that were very difficult about it. And there were lots of, of, specifically one coach and I were having, you know, lots of text conversations where I was kind of like, I'm here. I always wanted to be here like as a mainstream, you know, media person. I wanted to have credentials and be in the, in there. And instead I'm like, I get to go interview the alternates and I get to do the behind the scenes stories, but I didn't get those main credentials. And it was kind of like, I'm living my dream, but yet I'm not. And then that, you know, they were having some similar experiences. Like I thought that this is what the Olympics would be like. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I've always, this is a separate side aside, but um, I was there with chaplains and chaplain said, being at the Olympics is like doing 11 funerals, sorry, 10 funerals and one wedding. 
because most of the people there are experiencing the deepest heartache and disappointment of their life. And very few are experiencing the most exciting of their life. And I've never felt a feeling like walking around the Olympic village and walking around just the Olympics. It was the heaviest, most emotionally oppressive feeling I've ever been around. It was everywhere. It was just like so heavy because so many people were like feeling all these negative emotions. And so even that, like I worked my whole life to get to the Olympics. So then horrible while I'm here, you know, kind of the thing. And so I think that willingness to feel any feeling the good and the bad is what will allow you to go out there and just like compete with confidence and do your best. And so I think you've shown a great example of that, of being able to just be like, I cried every night and I felt terrible, but I'm going to show up for that again because I'm willing to do that, to go after my dreams. Well, I'm going to say one more thing, and I would love to hear your comment on this, Michaela, is that, you know, you've, you've had the hard, like what Stacy said, said, what you've been saying, you've had a lot of hard. You also have a lot of hope going into this next year with Tokyo, like your journey to Tokyo. One of the things that you've been raised with, I'm assuming that like I have is the opposition in all things. And that's essentially what we teach with emotions is you cannot experience. We have all these robots walking around because they're not willing to feel lonely in a little tiny place where the rats are eating up the mats. They're not willing to feel rejected. They're just willing to wish it was different instead of just to feel, yeah, I'm disappointed. I, this is what disappointment feels like. This is what sadness feels like. This is what, um, you know, discouragement feels like instead of wishing they weren't feeling it, they just feel it. And that's the only way you get the opposition in all things is that's the only way you get to feel the excitement and the joy for a sincerity, vulnerable moment on both sides. Otherwise you really don't feel anything. We just feel like this little numb feeling in a very small range. And so the more we're willing to feel uh, the disappointment, sadness, hardship, the greater the reward on the other side. And it has nothing to do with the thing. It's just the emotional range. So that's what Stacy and I teach a lot about. And I feel like you've experienced a lot of that. And that idea has been something that I believe you've been raised with, the opposition. So going into Tokyo, which is hopefully on the other side of the... <laughs> the scale. Tell us a little bit about how your confidence has changed going into this next piece compared to what it's been like in the past. That's what I would like to hear just to close up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I feel like obviously like, like I said, being an alternate and having those experiences definitely makes me stronger this time around, but you know, gymnastics is never going to be easy. You're going to crash. You're going to fall. You're going to hit a routine. You're going to succeed you're gonna fail again and then you're gonna get back up and then you're gonna succeed you're gonna score that 10-0 or you're gonna hit that 16.0 or you're gonna make that olympic team or you're not and so it's just honestly you know confidence is the main is you know everything to your perfection honestly and so um i think it still has been hard for me like sometimes i don't always feel confident in myself you know like who knows if i'll make the olympic team obviously I need to be confident, have confidence in myself to be able to keep pushing to get there and to get to that goal. But I've had so many things just crash on me. I've been wanting to quit. I've been wanting to give up, especially this year, having my bone spur and um, getting COVID and then pneumonia. And it's just set me way back. And then, you know, I'm not being, I, I don't get to compete at winter cup that's happening this weekend. And so right now I've just really had to take a step back and, you know, like my husband says, you know, you just got to take it one day at a time. Like you can't, 
You can't think about the future. You can't let that get to you. And so I've really just been trying to go into the gym and just try to perfect my routines and to build that confidence in myself and in my routines and rebuild that confidence that I've lost for the last six, seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, just going in and taking it one day at a time and pushing myself to get ready. I have to be ready for camp in like three weeks, trying to be full routine ready because they're going to be kind of renaming the national team. And so I've just been stressing a lot, but you know, we've talked to Tom and he's like, it's okay if you're not hundred percent ready, just get to where you can, where you can be at least some ready in some things. If you have to do, you know, some things in halves, but just try to get to where you need to be. And so that, that has built confidence in myself, having an Olympic coach, you know, to, to talk to, you know, with Marta, we never got to talk to her with Tom. We get to talk to him. He's there for us. He's supporting us. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me feel so much better in my gymnastics. But, um, I definitely have to say, I'm, I'm kind of struggling right now. I, I really do have to rebuild that confidence. I know I've had it. I know I had it before. I've know I've been to the Olympics before. I've know I, I know that I've done this, mm -hmm. but it's, it's kind of gone away. So right now I'm kind of, I yeah. feel like I'm kind of stuck in the middle, but I know that if I keep working on it and, you know, try to perfect those routines that I will soon be able to get back to where I'm feeling a hundred percent. And I'm just, I'm ready to go out there and I think kill the Olympics this time. I feel like with the postponement, I've kind of been down on myself. Like, is the Olympics even going to happen? Is this or that? But now that like, I've got through the hard part and I've pushed myself and I've come back from pneumonia, COVID and my bone spur that I feel like okay, my mindset's getting back into it. I've, rec I've recouped myself to really just nail into the details and to push myself and say, you know what? You've worked hard for this goal. You're going to go out there. You're going to do it. You can't give up now. You can't let anything stop you. And so each day I'm, I'm just building that confidence right back up to where, to where it started. I love that you remind everybody that it's an ongoing journey. You don't just reach confidence and you're done. You, it's just a process always. And you get to one, one level and it just starts like another level. It's like starting level one again, just at another level. I know. And especially like being, being Olympic athlete, like, I mean, I don't feel like it just, just because you've done it, if your confidence just stays there or mm -hmm. you're, you know, like my routines are not always going to stay up to par. Like I'm not going to be at a hundred percent all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like for me, it's, it's, it's a battle constantly. I mean, that it's like that for everybody, you know, gymnastics is hard and you got to come down and you got to come back up again. But, you know, I think if you just keep believing in yourself and just keep attacking it and pushing it every day, like I still have bad days. I know I'm, you know, considered one of the best athletes in the world and I'm, I'm not perfect at all. I mess up. I make mistakes, you know, Olympic or right before Olympic trials at championships, a couple weeks before Olympic trials, I fell on beam three times. Mm -hmm. I crotched the beam, I fell off the beam and I like landed on my hands and knees, you know, like things happen. And you know what, that pushed me. I really took that. And I was like, you know what, like this ain't going to happen again. I worked hard, got into the gym, rebuilt that confidence on beam, worked so hard to know that when I went to Olympic trials, I wasn't going to fall again. Mm -hmm. And I went to Olympic trials and nailed two beam routines. So it's just really you just really got to take it one day at a time. And, you know, you have to, you have to believe in yourself and you have to have that confidence for sure. I think there's a lot of self-compassion too. And forgiveness of, Hey, it's okay. 
you got your back. You know, that's one of the pieces of confidence is knowing that you trust yourself, that you're going to get up again, that you that you got your own back and having a lot of compassion with those moments where they don't turn out the way you want. As if you're bringing up a, a, a little Michaela who failed at, you know, level three and it's like, hey, Michaela, it's okay. We're good. You know, I love that. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the thing that we're most scared of more than anything else is how we're going to treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when we can go into that and we can go, no matter what happens, I am going to treat myself with love. I'm going to speak to myself with compassion and I am going to have my own back. Then we're not scared of ourselves going into it. And so we can really give it our all. Um, I think that's a really significant part, but I do think allowing for the human experience to be the human experience. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like, it's not even just that gymnasts can't be up at hundred percent all the time. There's nothing in the human experience that allows for that. Right. Like there's nothing in the human experience that allows for perfection. Like we don't get to be perfect. We don't get to be at hundred percent all the time. Like our experience is, we don't get to only see the positive. Like our experience is positive and negative every moment, all day long, every day, all month long, every month, all year long, every year, all life long, you know, and allowing for that to be okay. Today wasn't a great experience. I knew I'd have some of those days. Good thing, good thing I got today over with, you know, and like I was I was coaching a basketball player and, and we were talking about like a really great shot percentage is 30 to 40%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Six to seven out of every shots you try. It's the same with like batting average. It's like three out of 10 is, is a great batting average. But one of the things about perfection I was going to say is the idea that one of the um, definitions that I've heard is the Greek definition of perfection being completion. And that it's such a, that's a, such a calming definition for me is that at the end of the day, every day is complete. So by the Greek definition, we can say that every day is perfect. I love yeah. it. I love it. But yeah, I think for you, allowing yourself to have both of the experiences and for all of our listeners. Yeah. Um, thank you, Michaela, for opening thank up. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's uh, hard, probably. I mean, I don't know if that's hard for you. For a lot of people, it's hard to show that there's the other side. There, It's not always an easy road. And we may look like we're the ones that are the beautiful superstars all the time and that we have it all together. But that's just not life. That's not a normal. Nobody has that human experience. It so like that <laughs> you don't want it it's you know, just not reality right and now i feel like failing is is a way to success you know you got to go through those trials and that's just what's going to make you stronger so yeah definitely. we always say success is built on a pile of failures yep oh, yeah love it that's that's you don't you don't get success unless you're willing willing yeah. to stand on failures so michaela, well, michaela go, go ahead. ahead amy I was going to ask you if you would be willing to leave something, this is more for the athletes, leave something that you do when maybe in a competition, you might be feeling, you know, when you start getting those nervous feelings, things are starting to tighten up inside. You're starting to put your, your, like all your balls in one basket for this one result. When you start feeling the, the heart beating, what is something that maybe you do, or unless you want to share something else with us, something that might help those athletes that are facing times that are a little bit, you know, difficult, which we all face a little more, it seems like right now than we have in the past. Um, I mean, being an athlete, you know, you kind of sometimes play with different things or different strategies to find out what works and what doesn't work. And so I feel like, honestly, for me, like, I just can't overthink anything. And I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I know how to do this routine. So like, 
I'm just not going to stress and give myself the anxiety. But sometimes I feel like you kind of need that anxiety and that pressure because like, I feel like it just like helps you get out there and do better. Um, at least for me anyway, like I just try to not take away all of that. I kind of need that adrenaline to get me going. Um, but honestly, like kind of like I've said before, like I really just trust my training. I think going out there, feeling confident, like obviously when I'm more confident in myself, I do a lot better. So by like, before I kind of go up to do a routine, I just try to remember like all the little things like you got this, I'm good at this. I can do this routine. I did it in the gym last week. I'm going to go out there and do that same routine. I know how to do this. I'm prepared and, you know, just kind of go full force. And, and also a big thing for me is I like to enjoy the journey, enjoy the routine. So when I'm out there, I just want to have fun with it. Like with floor, I like to be my own character. I love to just feel the music, feel the crowd and then just enjoy every single moment because when you're out there having fun and you know feeling feeling expressive and feeling the crowd and feeling your teammates and everyone's just cheering you on you know that you got this and you're confident every step of the way so just really going out there and having having fun and enjoying the journey that's that's the most part is you you really just got to have fun with gymnastics don't don't take it too seriously um you know you've worked hard for it so just go out there and you know show everyone what you got I love the, the acronym joy journey of you. That's a set. You keep saying enjoying the journey. Enjoy so the journey. journey of you. Just have, right. to, have to enjoy it. I know it's going to be hard, but it's the only way that will get you through it. Just do what you love. Do what you love doing. Thanks, Michaela. Stacy, do you have anything you want to wrap up with? I was just going to wrap up with saying, I know that you're sharing your journey. And so <laughs> you want to share the details with our yeah. listeners of how they can follow you along this journey. Yeah. So obviously I have an Instagram, Michaela Skinner 2016, but I started a YouTube channel kind of when I first came back into the elite scene. Um, that's just Michaela Skinner. So if you guys want to check out my road to Tokyo, I just post videos about training, life update, just, you know, behind the scenes, kind of my personal life. So you get to know me better and just get to kind of know what it's like being a high level Olympic athlete. We love it. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Michaela, we just adore you and we are cheering you on. We'll be following your journey to Tokyo, your road to, to Tokyo and everything you're doing. So thank you for sharing. And we may have to just have you on here again when things aren't in the middle of all the exciting things right now, the after story, we may have to just snag that from you. Of course, I'm available anytime. So feel free to reach out and to bug me. So I would love to do it. So just let Sounds me know. Great. All right. All right. Thanks, Michaela. Thank you so much. It's so good to meet you guys and to see you again. So <laughs> have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.